We are back yet again on the Thick Mending Podcast, and this week after an extended hiatus due to exams and mental strain between the hosts, we are going to talk about the NFL Draft, and who are the winners and the losers, because make no mistake, there were certainly some winners, and there were definitely a few losers. Starting this off, we are going to the Big Apple, or should I say the Big Jersey. And New York, I don't think Joe Douglas has missed a single first round pick yet in his tenure. Sauce Gardner has not allowed a touchdown since middle school. Granted, he is going to have a rough first year, he's going to have to Defense Stephon Diggs, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, or Tyler Lockett, and whoever the Packers and Broncos trot out as their number one option. It is going to be a trial by fire for the young corner, but he was undoubtedly the best coverage corner in the draft. That's a good pick. Then you've got Garrett Wilson. He runs a 4-3 in his elite hand. As a Michigan fan, I hate saying nice things about this guy because he horribly beat us a few times. But he is a real NFL wide receiver. He gives me Tyree Kill vibes, grandly, not quite as fast, but a bit more uh gifted in the vertical department. He is a great compliment to Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios. The only issue, he is going to get jammed into the ground on the line of scrimmage. And finally, Jermaine Johnson, the third. He jumps off your screen when you watch his film at Florida State. He's got great speed rushes and a good punch. His hands are a bit unrefined right now, but they will get better. He's got room to add some more weight. He's only 250 pounds right now, I believe. But I saw people having him as high as eighth overall in their mock drafts. The Jets getting him at 26 is amazing for them. Also, Brees Hall is a nice addition in the second round. I don't think he's the best running back in the class, but he will be a very solid NFL player, and getting him in the second is a meaningful acquisition. The Jets are going to be set going forward if Zach Wilson actually works out as a quarterback. If not, A, it's a good quarterback to last next year. When you're watching the the first round happen and picks go by, it almost felt like there was some sort of divine intervention going in the Jets' favor. They got their favorite corner in the draft, their favorite receiver in the draft, their, I think, third favorite edge rusher at 26, who's also a top eight player on their board. It doesn't really get better than that, and any team would take the basically three of their favorite players in the draft. Garrett Wilson can be an elite wide receiver in the NFL. He goes along very nicely, as Isaiah already said, with Elijah Moore. They still have Corey Davis on the roster for this year, so those three especially can do, I think, a lot of things this season in the Jets' offense. Braxton Barrios, disrespect, SMH. And they also added CJ Ozama in the offseason, so I, I think as far as weapons go for their offense, there's a lot to be excited about. And if Makai Becton can finally get healthy and finally put together a healthy season in the NFL, I think their offensive line has a lot of potential also. On the defensive side of the ball, their front four or defensive line, there's a lot to be excited about. Jermaine Johnson getting added to the group. Quinnen Williams has quietly been one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL while playing on the bad Jets. And Carl Lawson finally coming off his injury from last season will be able to play in the Jets uniform. The secondary also is looking very promising with Ahmad Gardner joining the team. And I said this on TikTok and I'll, I'll say it again here. The Jets can be a very good team. The AFC is loaded, but it's all going to depend on Zach Wilson. And if Joe Douglas eventually gets fired due to Zach Wilson's failings or maybe even the next quarterback, that is truly a shame because he's built, I think, a special roster and has rebuilt something has the potential to win a lot of games in New York. The Jamal Adams trade show let everyone know that Joe Douglas was not messing around and he was a pretty real general man Teams are going to be forced to succumb to the sauce while dealing with a truly special offensive line. You didn't mention it, uh, I believe, in the same draft class as Zach Wilson could be wrong, but Alejandro Vera Tucker is a meaningful young tackle, only gave up two sacks last season. He's going to be special with Makai Becton, so I think that offense is going to be very entertaining. The AFC is a gun show. It's going to be hard for them to win games, but they're moving in the right direction. Well, Vera Tucker plays guard, by the way. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, I know, but he's played both. Still only gave up two sacks, though. I will concede that his primary time was 
as a guard. Speaking of teams moving in the right direction, one team is coming from the bottom of the barrel and on their way up there taking a hunk out of your kneecaps. I'm of course talking about the Detroit Lions. And the Lions got off to a great start when Trayvon Walker went number one of the Jaguars. Aiden Hutchinson will be better than Trayvon Walker, I believe. He's certainly going to be better day one and he's certainly going to sell more tickets day one. Then they absolutely fleeced the Minnesota Vikings for the 12th overall pick, with which they got Jameson Williams, who has potential to be the second best wideout in the draft class, depending on how his ACL heals up. We don't know how that's going to be, but it's a big upside pick. And finally, on the other side of the line from Hutch, they got Joshua Pascal. He can play either the three technique or the end. He had 15 tackles for loss against SEC offensive lines, and he is going to be a force of nature. The Lions had a lot of issues. They addressed it with this draft. They got better weapons. They got better defensive line. If they can just fix their secondary next season or upgrade a quarterback, they might be a playoff team, particularly in the weaker NFC. No kneecap will be safe from Hutch or Pascal coming around the edge. They're moving in the right direction. I'm happy for Dan Campbell. Motor City is turning once again. I think for the Lions, it is a big change from a decade ago as far as how their front office is handling things and actually having intelligent draft classes. Obviously, everyone loves the Aiden Hutchinson pick, but when you get possibly the best edge in the class, and in my opinion, the best receiver in the class, you have a very elite draft class on your hands. And I think Jared Goff, for all his flaws or deficiencies or for people that make fun of him, he can throw the deep ball pretty well. And I think with Jamison Williams, Amon Ross, St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, they can have a productive offense next year and turn around an offense and also to the organization to a certain extent that has been horrible the last few years so i love i love what the lions did in the draft truly a special draft class particularly when you consider they've got a guy like penesu on their offensive line who's going to be a franchise level talent they got taylor decker on the other side the o-line's looking solid the common trend among these teams they're also building their offensive line in addition to their skill players because as we've seen from the new york giants it can be very rough for teams who do not have good offensive lines and quite possibly the best draft in the entire NFL, not just because of who they drafted, but who they were also able to trade for. The Eagles had a phenomenal draft, also because of how things have been playing out in the rest of their division. They traded for A.J. Brown with the 18th overall pick, essentially drafting A.J. Brown at 18th overall. Only caveat is they do have to pay him $100 million, which is a lot of money, but they pair him with Devonta Smith, who is a very good to, can become an elite route runner in the NFL. And AJ Brown contrasts his play style perfectly. Physical wide receiver, runs good routes, great after the catch. So I love that pairing, what they did there. And also because of how the rest of the division has developed, the Cowboys didn't exactly have a great draft. Their offensive line might not be quite as good. They're also, they've continually struggled with injuries. They lost Amari Cooper to the Browns. They lost Cedric Wilson, one of their third wide receiver to the Dolphins. They've lost a ton of players. I, I can't off the top of my head rattle them all off. That's happened. The Giants, I don't think, are ready to win now. Then they're also going against Carson Wentz on Washington. I'm not not a big fan of that. And then they also have a weird running back situation. Everything's going a little bit weird over Washington. So that's another reason why I think the Eagles won. And to add on to that, they also have Jordan Davis making their uh, front seven an even deeper group. And then they got Cam Jurgens the center to play guard this season and then replace Jason Kelsey after his one-year contract. So I'm not the 
biggest fan of Jalen Hurts, but due to the fact it looks like the Cowboys got worse, what's going on in Washington? The Giants aren't ready to win now. I think Jalen Hurts, with what the Eagles have done, can win the division next year and all go to the playoffs, possibly win a playoff game. Okay, you went a while without mentioning Jordan Davis in that summer. I think he is a really good replacement for Fletcher Cox, even though Cox is still on the roster, I believe. But he is going to be a force for years to come. The only question is, can his big body hold up, both conditioning and health-wise? But with A.J. Brown, with the wide receivers they got, the Eagles are going to look nice next year, particularly when you consider they're playing very weak competition in the NFC. But speaking of a team in their division, I've got one final winner. And this winner isn't exactly a team. No, this winner is my co-host. Because for once, Tristan did not have a bad draft experience. Now teams like the Eagles and the Titans may have had better draft classes than the Giants, but I cannot clown Tristan for the Giants missing horribly on their early draft picks for the first time in a few years. Tristan is a winner. Evan Neal is my favorite tackle in the class. Thibodeau has a lava upside and was previously considered a number two overall prospect before he screwed around at the combine. They even managed to replace their so-called Odell Beckham Jr. successor with a high upside prospect in the second round. My only gripe with the Giants draft class is they took an O-lineman from North Carolina in the third round. Keep in mind the Tyrells had a horrible offensive line that took Sam out from a top 10 pick to a fifth round pick, so I would have never taken a guy from there. I got no idea how Joshua is Zuda plays. I haven't watched any of his film, but I'm pretty sure he stinks. But I am happy for Tristan for once because the Giants did not openly screw things up. There is no Andrew Thomas. There is no Daniel Jones. It's just good prop. There's no running back taken at second overall given how talented oh, he is. Oh, you were happy about that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying in hindsight, you know, because you still That's so bad I was happy about because... that, all of them to an extent in hindsight. And it... I'm saying though, that was not such a horrible pick. That's not Andrew Thomas or Daniel Jones. Brad. The reason Saquon stunk is because the Giants in general stink, particularly that O-line and run scheme. Well, it would not be a Thick Man Inc. draft reaction video if there wasn't a heavy Giants bias from my perspective. And I think they're one of the biggest winners in the NFL draft. They got the most athletically gifted freak offensive tackle in the draft and quite possibly the best edge rusher in the draft. If you would have told me last year before the season even started, when we're looking at pre-college football rankings, when we're looking at way too early pre-draft rankings, that they would land Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau at 5-7, and seven, I would have called you crazy. And if I would have said to Isaiah, hey, the Giants are going to get Neal, hey, they're going to Kayvon Thibodeau, he would have made fun of me for all of 2021, all of 2022, and I would have had to deal with the torment. The Giants haven't had a good offensive line or pass rush since they won the Super Bowl in 2012, and I am grateful that we finally have a front office that is addressing those needs, and they realize its importance. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to give someone teams actually have to game plan for when it comes to protecting their quarterback and I think with Evan Neal in combination with Andrew Thomas at offensive tackles they'll be able to protect whoever the Giants future is at quarterback because we know it's not Daniel Jones and the Giants didn't pick up his fifth year option which is just another win for me in the offseason and what makes this Giants draft even sweeter for me is that they got the Cowboys number one and number two prospects on their big board Isaiah I'm kind of using Isaiah's point here but Jerry Jones has had very good draft class and if we're getting the number one and number two players on their board I'm feeling good about that and I don't even care who the Giants got in later rounds their first round picks are franchise players that the front office can build around over the next five years as long as they're able to figure out the quarterback position yeah between the Eagles Giants draft classes and some Yahoo turning left in the right lane and getting t-boned by the Jerry Meister Mr. Jones is not having a very favorable few days it's been rough for the old timer hopefully he's all right t's and p's and whatnot but bad scenes in Dallas good scenes in New York New York football in general is just winning right now besides Syracuse and I got no idea what they're doing they're a college team they're one of the worst scenes in the AC what are you gonna do 
they're a losing school. But speaking of losers, there are a few losers in this year's draft who I need to talk about. The first and foremost being, of course, the Minnesota Vikings. And my main gripe with the Vikings is twofold. One, they traded multiple picks to divisional rivals. They got very little for moving someone up 20 spots. And I would have been more happy with this trade if they were able to keep their 42nd overall pick. They gave it away. That was pretty bad. They picked a defensive back in the first round after the previous administration would do nothing but seemingly draft defensive backs who the fans had grown sick of. So DBs being the first two picks, also not a big fan of. Giving the Packers a path to the early second round in which they draft a high upside wide receiver. Not happy about that. But on the bright side, I actually kind of like Andrew Booth's film. He might be a pretty good replacement for Harrison Smith. But other than him, it's been a horrible draft class and not a particularly special offseason for the Vikings when you consider the Kirk Cousins extension on top of it all. Truly a dumbfounding decision from the new administration. Well, I think you do have to take into consideration the reason the new administration or new front office was forced to take people in the secondary is because of how badly the previous regime failed at drafting talent in the secondary. So they were kind of forced into that. It's not like all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, we can't touch the secondary because the last regime failed so badly at drafting guys like, well, what one corner? I can't think of the one corner's name. Mike something, Mike right? Hughes. Mike Hughes. Bust of a draft pick along with uh, other names. So like, I think that's kind of, because what are they going to do if they don't draft it? Then it would just stay the same and it would stay bad. So you know what I mean? Yeah, and in exchange for that, the offense stays bad. Uh, it really is a duality. And look, the Vikings say what you want about them. They didn't have an abysmal passing defense in... uh 2021. I'll take that back. It was pretty bad, but the run defense wasn't horrible. I get the logic, but at the same time, you think you're moving in a new direction, then you make two boneheaded traits and get two new defensive backs. So it's more of the same. The Vikings are not going to be a good team until Kirk Cousins is gainfully unemployed. Well, I do think the biggest failure was like not getting value from the Lions. That made no sense to me, especially when you know the Lions are going up and probably getting their number one wide receiver in the draft, and it's a division rival. Why why would you let the Lions maybe change their entire offense and the fortune of their offense for the next three seasons and not get a boatload of draft capital in return for that? That that made no sense to me. Yeah, because the Vikings GM doesn't know his butt from a hole in the ground. That's neither here nor there. I'm used to it. I'm not bothered by it. I'm going to witness a nice 7-9 and nine season. Excuse me, 8-9. and nine. Now there's 17 games for God knows what reason. But speaking of other losers, and this makes me feel a little bit better as a Vikings fan, the biggest loser to me out of everyone are the Stooges who bet that there would be more than three and a half quarterbacks taken in the first round. They bet the over that four quarterbacks or more would be selected. These people are doofuses. They were not watching college football. They weren't watching their film. They weren't watching the combine. They weren't doing any research. They just said, oh, it's a quarterback heavy league. The discourse about this draft class was always that it has a weak quarterback class. Yet some people thought four of them were going to be off the board. I realistically thought it was going to be two. I'm pretty sure, or I was pretty sure pick was going to go in the first round, whether that be to the Panthers at six, which would have been a horrible pick or not. I was 99% sure he was out there. I'm surprised someone didn't swing on Malik Willis. He is extremely raw, struggled a lot towards the back half of the season in college. He's got some accuracy, some mobility issues, or decision-making on the move issues, I should say, but still a very high uh, level of talent, a high ceiling. But no, he fell all the way to the third. He wasn't even the second quarterback taken. But I could never wrap my head around four quarterbacks going off the board. So a lot of people lost money, and that makes me happy. Yeah, and in hindsight, of course, hindsight 
hindsight's 2020. But when you take a look at the draft board, there were so many good players at other positions. There were a lot of receivers. In, what was it? Six receivers were taken in the first round? Five six, or six? receivers in the first. Uh, another one very early in the second. Four offensive tackles. Uh, a lot of people in the secondary went. There were a five lot of offensive tackles, I believe, if Tyler Smith's going to play. Oh, tackle. yeah. Five offensive tackles, two guards. So there was a lot of very good players. Oh, and there's, of course, Cole Strange, which, you know, there's a lot of drama surrounding that pick. But it makes sense why only one quarterback went in the first round because there were a lot of really good players at other positions. Like I've been saying for a while, very deep draft class. But my final loser, and this is a single person, is Lamar Jackson. Now, did the Ravens get better with the draft? Maybe. Their defense certainly got better. Did their offense get better? No, not really. Sure, they drafted a center. I'm sure he's going to be very solid. Don't get me wrong. But that doesn't matter a tremendous deal to Lamar Jackson. Mr. Jackson does not love running in between the tackles. You watch his film, he escapes the pocket, he goes outside, doesn't double pack and go up through the garden center. Yeah, it's just not something he's interested in doing. So interior blocking will be good for the run game for everyone but him. And now he doesn't have his number one wide receiver, who was exchanged for the pick used on this center. Now, say what you want about Hollywood Brown. He had a thousand yards last season. He had a good relationship with Lamar, and he was a very solid deep threat in the NFL. That aspect of the Ravens offense no longer exists. Now, Lamar is going to be throwing to Mark Andrews 200 times a year and running for his life in all likelihood because no one's going to get open. But Rashad Bateman, Dervinay, can't even say that dude's name. Devin Duvernay, James Porsche. Who cares? Who cares? Not Victor, real wide receivers. Tylen Wallace. You could mix a member of our high school football team's name into this, and I probably won't be able to tell you the difference. These are not NFL players of any note. They are not going to contribute to the Lamar Jackson passing guy. Did they get a tight end in the third round? Sure. To assert that, oh, because they got another good tight end, fourth like round. The excuse you. Fourth round. Excuse me. Not to override the Ravens, gla- Ravens draft class, but to assert that, that is going to somehow greatly aid Lamar Jackson is just comical to me. I. His- passing numbers are going to regress and i feel bad for lamar but i feel bad for the ravens too because it's a contract year and i cannot imagine lamar being too happy about them auctioning off his favorite target not named mark andrews well he wasn't happy about it but it's also been reported that marquise brown wanted out of there just the way the offense was designed and i think the moves they made in this draft are forecasting a return to when lamar jackson and kind of a philosophy as far as roster construction when he won his mvp uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Kyle Hamilton. I, I think a lot of people overhyped him as a top 10 or even the best prospect in the draft. But I do think that bolsters their secondary, gives them a very good strong to box safety. Uh, I think drafting Linderbaum solidifies their offensive line, makes it a lot better. David Ajabo won't play right away, but very good edge rusher. Travis Jones, solid D-tackle on the interior uh, to pair with a, a plethora of their other interior linemen. And they drafted two tight ends to go along with Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. I like the idea that they're going to have four tight ends on the roster when Lamar Jackson won the MVP that's why they were so good because they had three now I'm not Charlie Kohler and Isaiah likely maybe bums but we've seen in the past that the Ravens are very good at drafting tight ends later in the draft so I I think we, we can assume that they'll be decent and with having four the amount of formation problems they can give other teams due to Lamar Jackson's athleticism the three running backs they have on the roster Tyler Beatty is also a rookie I like Rashad Bateman a lot now I do think they need help behind him and hopefully Ronnie Stanley's finally healthy they have Zeitler at right guard very good right tackle Morgan Moses is good Tyler Linderbaum if he's as good as his draft ranking and you know kind of how people forecast him in the NFL I like the way the direction the Ravens are moving in and I don't really think 
Lamar Jackson is a big loser here. Yeah, here's here's the matchup we're going to have. It's going to be five offensive linemen, four tight ends, Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman. They're running the ball, put a corner on Bateman, get a linebacker and a safety raid to deal with Andrews, and everyone else contain and rush. <laughs> it's not going to be that much of a matchup if you got no one to throw to. I don't think Lamar's happy. I don't think the Ravens should be happy. They got to find something. Maybe they trade for uh, any of the wide receivers from the NFC West who are on the market. Maybe that happens, but I just cannot see uh, Lamar Jackson signing a large contract unless they just load him up, make him the highest paid quarterback in football. I don't think he wants to run the ball anymore. I mean, you look at the average rushes per season, and ever since the MVP year, they've gradually gone down by about 10 or 15 a season. Well, you also so look how he got hurt last year. Further away. You look how he got hurt last year and he got hurt passing the ball. He didn't even get hurt rushing the ball. I know, but he still got hurt. I get the Chris or the claim that, oh, he's excited to run the ball, but at the same time, he's a smart man. He knows that the more rushes he uh, attempts, the higher chance he is going to get injured, and he would like to at least sign his first contract before that. Is that going to happen? Hope so. It's going to happen after this next offseason, where that be in Baltimore or somewhere else. He will be paid very well. That has been our podcast. Be sure to let us know what you think about this year's NFL Draft. Like, comment, subscribe, share it with your friends on Facebook, share it with your grandparents on MySpace, and we will see you later.